0: So, we have been looking geometrically at the triangle, and if that triangle slides out and go up, what we've been trying to do post-Easter to think is, what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? And to follow Jesus Christ means to love God, to love one another, and to love the world. It means that we're not just people who have a a vertical relationship with God we, we, we kind of can have a solitary Christian life but actually to, be, to belong to God means to be connected to his whole family throughout the whole earth but particularly in local church fellowships and actually if we're really going to love God and we're really going to love one another then it also means we're going to love the world that he loves so much and is so passionate about and we're going to be investing our lives and wanting to see his kingdom come with as much on earth as it is in heaven. And the early church really got that. I'm going to read you a few verses from Acts chapter 2, which demonstrates some of those threefold commitments. You can see that in this little passage, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this, they, this is the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And you can see just in that little window from Scripture, that this new life that they had, this connection with God that followed the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Spirit, they're praising God, but they're also fellowshipping with one another in very close and accountable and helpful and practical ways. Their love for one another wasn't just saying nice things, but meeting the needs that they found among the, the community. And also, it wasn't just introverted. The Lord was adding daily to the number of those who were being saved. They were growing and people would be able to belong and find their place in the community. This is a subject I'm passionate about, the in, the building Christian community. You know, I've been um, married for 43 years and for 40 of those years I've lived in Christian community. I've lived with other people where we try and work out what it means to follow Jesus in a company of people where we try and do church every day, where we do break bread and share it with one another every mealtime. Currently... Uh, 18, 19 of us living at ADH, trying to do following Jesus together because we want to represent the kingdom of God in action on earth. And it's not a solitary thing, it's a together thing. The New Testament is passionate about welcoming and making space for people who don't yet believe. And including people who are unlikely. You know, Jesus was always welcoming the most unlikely people into the family of God people who the religious people would kind of keep at arm's length. They included people who were a bit disreputable, like prostitutes and tax collectors. They included little children. And they were going to go on to include people who weren't Jewish, the Gentiles. The church was passionate about inclusion, welcome, and belonging. And I've been strongly affected by some verses in Acts 26, where the Apostle Paul, giving his testimony, talks about what happened to him when God met him on the road to Damascus and called him to follow him and serve him. And he said, God said to Paul, who was a zealous religious Jew, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God for the forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified. And that last phrase, to create a place for people to belong. That's so important. Brandy Brown, who's a famous TED talker, once said that um, uh, human beings have an irreducible need to be noticed and loved. I believe that. And I believe God notices and loves everyone. Jesus tells us that, doesn't he? He says, you know, actually, your father knows every hair on your head. He sees every sparrow that falls. He cares about all of you. He's the God who sees. Do we see people in the way that God sees them? Do we have people blindness? Do we Kind of, um, do we do we reach a capacity where we think I'm I'm fine now I've got my friends, or do we have that passion that God has, which is that no one would be excluded from His kingdom, that no one would be deprived of relationship with God, that everyone could find a place in His family, and we believe that Woodlands Church and our church family has been called into existence to be partnering with God on that mission. That our job is primarily for people who don't yet know him, that they might find him and find a place in his family and find a place among us. And that is a challenge. It's a challenge in all kinds of ways. First of all, it's a challenge in practice. How are we going to find people who need to be included? And honestly, we, we have all kinds of strategies and ways which we want to reach people. But one re- way that we can reach people is just by gathering in large numbers and by vi- being visible online. Rachel told the story this morning about um, a guy who, I don't know, you might even be watching here tonight. I don't know your name, don't know much about you, but Rachel, my colleague, saw you on Monday morning in our car park outside. And you were wandering around, and then you ended up taking a photo of the Alpha banner. And Rachel was out like a rocket because she runs Alpha. She really cares about sharing her, you know, the, the good news of Jesus with people. And you told her that um, you'd walked past this building, you are quite knew the city. And it was kind of, um, there was a bit of a buzz. And, and, and you'd had, you just knew, and you had some spiritual stirrings, and you thought, well, maybe I'll come back and check out that church. It was visible enough, because of you guys being here, that someone who was seeking faith could think, well, maybe it's a place I could go and look. So Rachel gave this person an invite to Alpha, and hopefully they'll, they'll show up when we start on May the 3rd. But there's something that Jesus said about his church. He said, you're meant to be a light to the world, big enough to be a light, big enough to be noticed. And we believe that Bristol needs churches that are lights, that are visible, have an impact on our city, community, and culture. So we want to do things at scale. But the challenge about doing things at scale is churches, big church is great for all kinds of things. It's great for inspiration. It's great to be a light. But it's not so good at noticing and participating. The heart for the individual. And we believe at Woodlands that we don't want to trade off big church. Oh, some people like big church, and that suits me, or, or small church. I really like small church because I really like a sense of family and community. We want to be a both-and church. We want to be big church and small church. And so part of what's key to Woodlands doing what the job that we feel God's called us to do is that we can learn how to be big church and small church at the same time. And forgive me if you're watching and you're not part of this church or you don't ever want to be part of this church. You're just here as a visitor tonight because I'm going to be a little bit in-house because this affects the way we live our life. So here at Woodlands... I would say this Sunday gathering that you're part of tonight is our front door. It's like our shop front. We want people to be able to come here and think, hmm, there's something going on here. It seems to me that these people are in touch with the living God. Maybe I could too. It may be that you come here as a, as a Christian. You think these people are my kind of people. I recognise a family like this. I could belong here. I don't know how you've come if you're a, a visitor and a stranger. But what I do know is that last year, almost 480 people gave us contact cards, saying, "I'm new. I'd like to connect with you in some way. I'd like to identify myself," and that is, is a very significant event. And for us, the challenge will be: if people are drawn here, how can they move beyond just being part of a crowd to really belonging? And so we have to make pathways for people to find their way into community. Now, Jesus was really good at this. And it was Jesus' issue too. Jesus preached to crowds. He spent a lot of time with crowds. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. He he spoke to many, many people on many occasions. But he prioritized small group life too. And his small group was a group of 12. They were called the disciples. And... Jesus did life with them in depth. And many people who were intrigued by what they saw in the crowd situation became followers. But others didn't, and they rejected it. But the church has always existed as a group of people that can do the wide and the deep at the same time. To have a message that's like a light that can't be hidden, but be small enough to be like salt, Scattered everywhere, but changing things wherever you are, because that's what Jesus called his followers. He said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. You're both out. You're both big enough and visible enough so that no one can ignore the fact that I've got friends and followers. But you're also discreet enough to be everywhere, in every part of society, in every neighborhood, doing kingdom of God stuff and changing the atmosphere where you live. That's our vision and our mission. And so for us, midweek church, small group life, That's a really key way to do things. Now, one of the challenges is about being church is that we're not just a gathering of like-minded people, but we're really called to love one another. And Jesus made big challenges. Just before he uh, went to the cross, he gathered his disciples. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this will all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. So the quality of our gathering isn't just um, the fact that we're like an organisation, like the Labour Party or something like that, but there's something about the, the the message which is lived out in the quality of the life that we have. We're not just a group of people; we're a group of people that the very flavour and atmosphere of heaven, where there's perfect love, is lived out among us. So, you your need to be noticed and loved should be—it's a right need. It's an instinct that you've got. I should be loved because actually the universe was begun by a God who is love. And people who follow him should love me. The challenge is, first of all, not we're not always very lovable. And second of all, we're not uniform, we're not the same. And third of all, we have capacity issues around who we welcome in our life. You know, I remember when my, my child was born, Dan and Amy, you, you might think you've got a new baby. Have you got, you know, could you love another child now? You've just got one. Honestly, I've got five kids, and I, every time I had another one, have I got the capacity to love that, that next one as much as the last one? Well, actually, yes, I, I did. I found it was there. And I think that, that, that God can give us an extraordinary capacity to love beyond what we think we can do. But um, there are issues practically, isn't it? So how, how are we going to create a context where people can be noticed and loved? Well... First of all, we, we want to, to help you find pathways to find a, a community where you can engage. You can't all live under one roof like I do. But we can create a, a strategy where all over the city people gather and can find friendship and pastoral care and discipleship. We're going to drill down to that a bit later on. What about people who just are atypical? You know, how do we, how do we get them along? You know, Jesus understood that. So when Jesus had a small group, he gathered four people at the core of it. Peter and Andrew, James and John. They were brothers. They were two sets of brothers. They had the same background. They were fishermen. They were from Galilee. And they were the core of Jesus' small group. And Jesus added to that group disparate people who were not like one another. And to you put them in the same room, they might have a fight. Like Matthew, the tax collector, who's working for the Romans, and Simon the Zealot, who's a freedom fighter to free us from the Romans. Put those two people in the same group, what's going to happen? It's really tricky for people to make relationships. But if you've got a core of people that you can hang relationships on, it's amazing who you can can befriend and engage in community. So, my community house. My community house is made up of people from several different nations of the world, from very different cultural backgrounds, educated and uneducated, people who've never been to universities, people who are highly qualified. We have um, an age range from 21, 22, up to 64. We have single people, married people. We've got, we have people with, with um, different gender awarenesses than the mainstream, living together in a community. And as we do that, we find that we can love one another. And the only reason that we're living life together and that we love one another, we're trying to do church, is because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has centred himself in the midst of our house. We're dedicated to him. And we can find that through the ups and downs, actually, of living life together, sometimes through the challenges of people thinking, believing, behaving differently to us, that we can love one another. And what's more, we can be discipled. Jesus challenged his followers not to love like the Gentiles. He said, look, This is what happens in the world. You you throw a party for people, they invite you back. You do nice things for people who can do nice things back to you. I don't want you to love like that. I want you to love like people who can who love people who can't repay them, because that's how your father in heaven loves you. I want you to imitate your father. I want you to love in a radically different way. I want you to have a a kind of inclusion and welcome that is mind-boggling because it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't work. And really the church is meant to be a group of people where everybody is welcome and also people are included and that the difference speaks of the kingdom of God. It's not just white middle-class men who are Christians. Okay. <laughs> We're not a, a white church or a black church or, a, you know, or, or, or an Asian church. We're an everybody church. And the more diverse we are, where we love one another, the more miraculous it looks, the more of a witness it is to the kingdom, isn't it? So let's get a small group and let's have a core, but let's add all kinds of people to it. But what happens when there's more people that want to come into that group that we've got room for? Well, in in this church, what we try and do is multiply small groups. And that's costly, isn't it? Because I've got some friends and we've just got close. It feels safe to be in this small group now. And if too many people join it, I'm not going to feel safe. It's going to change the dynamic. What am I going to do? We have to have a strategy to deal with that. Our strategy for that is called Passports, and more of that and on, explained to you by Rachel and and Miles. So, um, here we go then. We we want to be um, a church that does community, and so midweek church is as much church as Sunday church. That triangle, the up, in, and out, where people gather together, they love God, love one another, have a heart for the world. That can happen in a home, like it did in Acts 2. It can happen in a church building like this. It can happen in a place of work. It can happen. So, that's my starter. I might get Miles and, and Rebecca just to come and share a little bit at this stage. So, Miles first. And Miles is one of the leaders of our young arts community, many of whom are, many of you are here tonight, young adults community or, or our student community as well. So, if you'll just give me a little whoop so I can. Right, over to you, Miles.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, So, thank you, Dave. Uh, For those of you who haven't met me before, uh, my name is Miles, like Dave just said, and I am part of the young adults community here. Um, Dave asked myself and Rebecca um, to share our reflections on this topic as members of this community and people who've experienced this community firsthand. Um, So, we'll both be reflecting on what it means to be devoted to one another. Um, what's the question we got set. Um to Dave, when this question got asked to me, the first thing that got brought to mind uh, was one in John. Um, it was Jesus speaking to his disciples just after he's told them he's not going to be with them for very much longer. And he's saying, uh, a new command I give to you, um, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Um, by this they will know that you are my disciples um, if you love one another. Um, so clearly, Jesus repeats this multiple times. Uh, repetition is something that ha- happens in the Bible when, people, when they want to make sure you know it's important. Uh, so clearly, Jesus thinks this is really important. Um, so what does it mean to love each other? Uh, does it mean that we need to feel love towards each other? No. Does it mean we need to be in love with each other? No. But it does mean we need to show love to each other. Um, there's another verse that's often used in weddings which talks about what love is, and it lists a of things. It says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, and loads of other great things. What's really helpful about this list is it's not a list of ways we should feel, it's not a list of emotions, it's a list of practical things we can do uh, to show each other love, um, one of the things that is a hallmark of believers of disciples of jesus is the way in which we love each other Uh, so it's really important that we do that well something that god has been challenging me about on this topic is um, i find it a lot harder to love the people that um, i don't know so well or i may not be as close with Um, which is you know really important when you're in a church that is growing and it might not know everyone Um, I find it really easy to love my friends um, because my actions align with how I feel. So I want to know how they're doing. I want to uh, pray with them. I want to check in with them Um, I find it easy to be patient and kind. But I find that harder to do when there is people that I don't necessarily have those feelings already for. This is something that is really important as we do grow and get larger. One of the beautiful things about church is the fact that we are a group of people who are all from different backgrounds and different life experiences, and we're all united by our joint love for Christ. But what that also means is there's going to be people in this room who look different to the way we do, who speak different, who have different life experiences, like we just said. Um, There are going to be people in this room who we don't naturally click with, and maybe people in this room who may have let us down or hurt us. And these are some of the reasons why some of us find Christian community and being in church really, really difficult. Um, But we haven't been called to do faith in isolation. It's really important that we do have a relationship because in community, it's where we get to learn and practice forgiveness and kindness and patience. There's a phrase they use a lot in the vineyard church, which is, um, in the church is the practice ground and outside of church is the playground. And what I mean by that is in here is where you practice and learn to love the people who don't look like you, to pray for people when they're having hard times, to pray for healing, to talk about your faith and what Jesus has been doing in your life, so that we can go out of this place and do that with our friends and our families and with those people who may not um, know Jesus yet. Another thing that I've been really challenged by and um, on God's been speaking to me about is uh, the fact, um, really challenged by this, <laughs> um, is the fact that sometimes um, we and I use the scale of this church and the scale of our church to be a, a reason to feel like we don't need to know everyone or make an effort to know everyone. But as we grow, it's really important that we all see it as our personal responsibilities to make that effort and to welcome people in. Um, I used to be a part of a church who was a similar size to uh, Woody's, and they used to reset their small groups every year, uh, both their student ones and their non-student ones. And the reason that was really effective is it meant that if you went to church um, in those two months, it was really hard to leave that place, whether you are new or old, without someone coming up to you um, asking your name, um, asking you to go for coffee or to the pub or to uh, be involved in in their life in their small group. Uh, fortunately, this is something that a lot of people you here have experienced, but some of you may not have had that positive experience when joining this church. So it's really important that we do do that really well. Um, so far, I've talked a lot about how we can do big church really well, like Dave said, events and communities like this. But it's also really important that we do small church well as well. That we build relationships with people who we trust, who we get to know, who can pray for us, and who we can invite to speak into our lives. When I first came to Bristol, um, I find it a lot harder to build those relationships than I have in the past. I think when I was at school, or when I went to university, or when I moved to places in the past, I I met people, I spent a lot of time with them, and in a couple of weeks, we were best friends, and a lot of them are still friends with now. But when I came here, uh, it was a lot harder. You know, I've got a job, I've got family commitments, and I found that it took weeks or months before I saw people frequently enough to be able to build those relationships with them. Uh, One thing that I found really helpful was building in opportunities to meet the same groups of people on a regular cadence. Uh, For me, that was small group, that was pastorate, um, serving on a team, um, and even getting together with a group of guys to pray. Um, There's a few of us who meet every fortnight, and we pray for each other, we pray for the world. And that has been, yeah, just really precious and really integral in my role in sort of feeling connected and having that close community. Um, It's been really helpful to be in a place where I'm regularly asked how I'm doing. It means I have to reflect and figure it out. And it means that um, I've invited God into situations and things in my life where I'd normally just crack on and sort of do it my own strength. And it's been really nice not only to see my own prayers being answered, but as we're praying for things together, we're all encouraged when we see the answers to prayer, when one of us gets a job or whatever it is we've been praying through. We're all uplifted by God answering one of our prayers. So it's really important that we do big church and wide church so that we can invite people in. But it's really important also to have deep church to have small communities to have those friendships uh, so that we can grow um, i'm going to invite rebecca up who's going to talk to you a little bit more about discipleship and also sort of unpack some of the things you mentioned like small group and pastorates and what that looks like within this community
2: <laughs> thank you so i'm a lot shorter than dave um, okay So I'm also part of the Young Adults community um, with Miles. Um, I am part of a small group, Kin, that meets in my flat on Gloucester Road. Um, And I'm also part, oh thanks, small group. Um, And I'm also part of the Midweek Pastorate. Um, So, as Miles said, I'm gonna focus a bit more on discipleship. And I actually think community is a really important part of our discipleship um, because it's both through the work of the Holy Spirit and through community, that we grow into maturity in our faith. And that's actually the model that we're given in Acts 2.42 and um, that Dave mentioned earlier. So actually, if we could get that verse up again. Um, amazing. So Acts 2.42 is a compact description of Christian discipleship. So we're told they were in a community, a Christian community, um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And here the word fellowship involves an active participation in Christian community. It was more than just a social gathering. You know, in the context of the passage, they, as Dave was saying, they're sharing material and spiritual blessings and they're united together by what they have in common, which is their, their new um, life as believers, as Christians. And in Woody's, We have um, small groups and pastorates, and these are spaces where we can do all of these things well. Those are the pathways. Um, So let me talk to you about what that looks like. Um, So could we get the pastorate slide up? Amazing. Mm -hmm. So pastorates um, are groups ideally of 24 to 72 people. They meet fortnightly. They're run by people not in full-time ministry. And we meet for fellowship, teaching, worship, prayer, and fun as well. And really the purpose of them is they're a space where we can experience community, grow in our relationship with God, grow as disciples, and also to serve the city and serve our community. And then in each pastorate, we have lots of small groups. And so small groups are groups of six to 12 people. They meet on alternative um, weeks to pastorate, um, usually in someone's home. And together we engage with the Bible and we pray together. And then the purpose of small groups is so we can form those deeper um, relationships with people, where we can share life, live transparently, and develop accountability with one another. Um, So as I mentioned, I am part of a small group that meets in my flat. And what's brilliant about my small group is there are people that are fairly new to faith, and then there are people that have been Christians for a really long time. And we're all completely different from each other, totally different walks of life, totally different experience. And that's actually really helpful when we approach the Bible together. And also those that have been Christian for a really um, long time are quite helpful in growing those people that are new to faith. And those that are new to faith, they're actually quite fiery and quite passionate. And that's really helpful for people like me that have been Christians for ages. And so we learn together, we inspire one another. And actually, it's a place where we're able to be quite accountable with each other and vulnerable. And actually, in my small group, often we'll say, do you know what, guys? This is an area where personally I really struggle. I really struggle in my faith. And it means we can love each other in those areas and we can pray for each other in those areas and kind of pull each other up. Um, Now, I also mentioned that I'm part of a pastorate. And I've actually found that pastorates are a great place for participation in in a way that we can't really do um, in this service, because not everyone is going to have a chance to participate in the same way. And I have personally been really grown and encouraged in my giftings. So as an example, um, I'm quite gifted in the prophetic. I love growing that in other people. Um, And a while ago, I was asked to lead a session on hearing from God um, in my pastorate, and it served two purposes. Firstly, leading people in that area is something that I would quite like to get a bit more practiced in, Um, but it was also me feeding into that community and supporting people who are either earlier in their faith or less experienced in that area than I am, and it was super encouraging because lots of people heard from God, Um, and then we have someone else in our group who's a really passionate evangelist, and she's already got, actually always has so many um, encouraging testimonies, and I'm like, I want to learn from you, tell me more, like I want to learn how to do that. Um, And each week we have different people um, sharing, speaking, hosting, leading worship, leading prayer. So we're all learning from each other and we're all investing in each other as a community. Now, I often hear quite unhelpfully that churches can either be outward focused, focused on evangelism, or they can be focused on community, but not both. And I really strongly disagree. And the reason why I disagree is because the model that we have in Acts shows us that both are equally important and they feed into each other. And actually, we are told later in the passage that God added to their numbers every day and it started from them having a strong and devoted community. Now, a couple of years ago, I got a really clear word from God. It doesn't happen all the time, but it was really clear. Out of community comes evangelism. And that has never made more sense than it does now, because in Acts, it wasn't like they were filled with the Spirit and they just went out to make lots of disciples, you know, off you go. They were devoted to one another in community, growing and sharpening each other, maturing in their faith. And then when they went out to make more disciples, they brought people into that community, into that community to also be grown in their faith. So I am genuinely really excited to be part of a church that realizes that community is important. And I have never been so captivated by a group of people before or felt so committed to a community before. Because as a personal confession, I have not always been very good at this. I used to live in London for a really long time. I was very career focused. And yeah, I was really on fire, from, uh, on fire for God, but I was focused very much on my own personal mission, you know, my own God calling. And I wasn't really invested in community that was time-consuming. You know, people are really hard work. And in my immaturity, I convinced myself that I had more important things to focus on. And I was so wrong. Because we're not called as Christians to do life on our own. We're called into community. And I still have, you know, a career in film and TV. That's not changed. But I'm now doing that as part of a community that invests in me. You know, and actually, as a result, I'm not feeling as burnt out anymore. I'm feeling a sense of, you know, loving and, and belonging. I'm being invested into as much as I'm giving out. And I get it. Sometimes it's really hard. You know, sometimes I'll work a 70-hour week, and I really don't feel like going to small group. But it is worth it. Because on a personal level, if I really want to grow as a Christian, then I need to be part of a community that will invest in me and challenge me. If I want to see the people around me grow, then I need to be investing back into that community. And if I want to see this church grow and God adding to our numbers daily, like in Acts, then actually I and we need to be cultivating a strong community to bring um, new Christians into. But we do need to be practical with this. You no, know, practically, the core leadership team of this church cannot deeply know every single person in this congregation none of us you know we can all you know, know know of each other but we can't deeply know every single person so we do need to cultivate small sorry smaller um, communities for everyone to feel seen and to be known and to be loved and to be grown as part of the wider church and realistically as the church keeps growing bigger and bigger we'll probably need more small groups and we'll need more pastorates And we'll need more leaders so that we don't turn people away, so that everyone can be invested in. And if you call yourself part of this church, there's a bit of a challenge there because we all play a part in this. If we call Woody's our church, then it is all of our responsibility. And it takes participation um, from all of us to have a healthy and continually growing church. That's where I'm going to finish.
0: So just coming to land on this topic. A recovery principle is you keep what you have by giving it away. Jesus said if you want to save your life, you, you have to lose it. If, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. That applies to faith. We keep our faith by sharing it, giving it away to other people and making room for people. We try and protect ourselves. It's amazing how we dry up, you know. So um, it's good for us. But it's also good for the whole mission of God because he, he He loves people so much he wants the people to be included in this kingdom venture that we're about. So, we were challenged in our strategic review which we will be talking about at our Thanksgiving evening. We were challenged by the reviewers. You need to double the number of small groups in the Wooden Church family by 2025. That's a challenge. So what would doubling small groups look like? First of all, it would look like people being willing to step up and lead. Second of all, it would look like um, small groups being willing to multiply, to say, actually, some of us are going to start a new small group. Perhaps we'll still be in the same passion. We'll still see each other once a fortnight. But we're willing to get out of our comfort zone for the sake of people who don't yet belong. Third of all, it would mean that people who just come along um, on, on Sundays and, and haven't really identified themselves and said, I want to be part of your community, because I want to be part of this whole city-transforming vision, saying, actually, I'm going to put my head above and I've come here for a year. I'm going to say, yes, include me in. And you can just do that by talking to someone from the staff team, but particularly on Newcomers tea, where, again, if you come along to Newcomers tea once a month, we get to hear a bit about your story as a leadership team, but we also get a chance to help signpost ways in which you can be part of a small group if you'd like to be. Of course, if you don't want to be part of a small group, if you just want to come here on a Sunday, that's fine. We, we'll want to love you and serve you as best we can. But we do think community is important. Now, it may well be that community doesn't work for you. It may be you're a time of life you just have not got the capacity for small group. It may be that you um, are just too restless to be, you know, someone's house midweek looking at the Bible. Well, maybe join a football team like the Woodist football team. That's not a bit of a Maybe serve our youth church and get on the the, the team there because that's a a community as well. Maybe just come to our Zoom community where we do prayer on a Tuesday and think, actually, I could get up early on a Tuesday morning and join you there, find community. Maybe form your own community. There's a group of people that go out every Friday night and give out... um, food to people who are on the streets. They, they make chicken burgers, often in my kitchen. It smells a lot better than my dinner. And they go out on a Friday night, and there's such a lot of laughter and fun coming from the group and its community. Let's find ways of doing community under this big umbrella that is the big front door of church. And, and we're not growing for the sake of growth. We want to grow because God wants to rescue people from um, a pathway where the enemy of our souls wants to subvert and twist and, and, and draw us away from God. We want to be in a community that's life-giving. And the reality, as this is where I've come to finish, really, is that where Christian community is, God is too. You know, for you as an individual, you may want to have, you might, you might want to be a bit monastic and say, I just want to go and contemplate God on my own in the desert. <laughs> you know, you could do that, but really. We're meant to be a community where God is found in the midst of us. Jesus once said, where two or three of you gather in my name, I'm there in the midst of you. And it may be that your own experience has been, you've come into a gathering of Christians, felt there's something different. What's the spirit of this place? Me, what's going on here? It's because God is between us. You know, the, the, the birthright of Christians is have God in us. Jesus said uh, in John's uh, gospel, he said to his disciples, it's recorded, God, the Holy Spirit who's with you, will be in you. That means wherever we go, we can know a fellowship with God. But the Holy Spirit who is in us is also with us, which means that he's with us when we gather. And for most people, there'll be seasons in life where we really need to know God with us, strengthening the God in us bit, you know? And the God in us strengthening the God with us bit. But it's a beautiful way of life. It's not easy. It's not costly. Sometimes people do our heads in. Sometimes we've got capacity issues, but we are so committed to it that we'd love to invite you on that journey with us. So we're going to give a chance to pray as we go back into worship. And there are three areas that I would like to ask you to respond to. First of all, it might be that to, tonight you'd be thinking, I've been doing the Lone Ranger Christian, but I realize I need to invest in community. And if that's you, maybe as a sign of that. You just come out the front and pray with one of our team and say, help me. I just want to honor that commitment step I'm making with you. Second of all, it may be that you're someone who feels, I could step up to lead. Who can lead a small group? Many, many people can. You know, It's a bit like you know, if you've got a pulse and you, you like people, probably with some training and support, <laughs> you could lead. Uh, now, there's a gift of leadership, but there's something leadership can be grown. So we want to train and support people. And a great way, if you're already in a small group, say to the group leader that you're in, I think I could do more. Maybe I could be your assistant. Or talk to us about it. Or come on to one of our training courses around small group leadership. But the third group of people, this is a little bit more challenging, what about those people who've been so disappointed with church that you think, I really don't want to take the risk of being vulnerable again? Honestly, church can disappoint you because you think, I think these people are going to welcome and love me. And my experience has been less than that. I haven't felt noticed and loved. I have felt I'm just gospel fodder for someone. I don't really count as a person. I'm just a statistic. Or maybe something worse, I've experienced church abuse. Maybe actually from a church leader or from a a kind of doctrine that was really heavy and did me in or or whatever. I feel I've been exploited by church and it's not been, you know. and, And if you're bruised and wounded by church, I want to first of all apologize and apologize if people like me or even me have been one of the perpetrators of that. And honestly, we are not perfect as church and we may disappoint you and we may get it wrong sometimes because we're not finished yet, but we are a work in progress and we want, as God helps us, to be a place of healing, grace, acceptance, and forgiveness. And it may well be that in forgiving people like me, That's the next step in your discipleship that will help you receive again the fresh mercy of God where you need it to, because we want to be a community of people that live under the mercy of God and give it away. So if you've been bruised and hurt by church, I would also like you to come forward tonight that we can pray for you and maybe bring the comfort of God into your lives as a family. So that's how I'm going to pray one prayer. We're going to go back into worship. It might be a little bit quieter so that we can hear, hear off. Ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Joe. You did that on purpose, didn't you, Joe? Um, yeah, so that we can hear, hear you when we're praying. But that's how we're going to finish tonight. Also, you know, if you've got a prayer need, sure, come and get some prayer too. But let me pray and then... Um, We'll invite you to stand and then come forward if you're responding to one of the things I, I said. Father God, tonight as we um, gather in this place telling you that we love you and that we're for you, we also want to tell you that we want to be part of your bride, community of people that can be a witness to the love of God because of the way that we love one another. And to be radically welcoming in the way that you invited people to be when you walked among them and the way you welcomed them to your table. When you welcomed the poor, the needy, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, you welcomed Judas. You welcomed the betrayers and the deniers. You welcomed all kinds of people to be your followers. And when, when, when you poured out your life, and Lord, you're still doing that. You're wanting to bring grace. You're, you're building a new humanity on planet Earth. You're making us forerunners of this kingdom of God that's breaking the world and one day will be complete when every tribe and tongue gather around your throne. And until that day, Lord God, we want to be a people of God that represent you in all shades, colours, opinions and sizes. Will you come? Will you help us to do that? Lord, where people are been bruised and hurt by church, will you heal their wounds and help us to be a healing community? In Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, lead us as we minister to one another now.